You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. Good to be with you. My name is Ryan. For those of you that are new, welcome, welcome. So glad. We're going to be in our Ephesians series this morning. And uh, before we get started, I got a couple of announcements uh, to make. And, and uh, so Mexico's coming. And so I want to encourage you, if you have not yet been a part of that uh, mission trip opportunity, uh, today there's an informational meeting at 12 o'clock. Uh, we want to continue to share and show the love of Jesus Christ down there. We work with an organization called I-68, and we're going to be going down there. My wife and I, my kids are going to go down there, and uh, there's a number of families that, that go um, and, and really uh, have an incredible opportunity. Two reasons it's important. Number one, it brings glory to Jesus Christ. Um, the gospel shared in, in relationship uh, with the family down there, and it's fostered and, and uh, all year long, and it's just a really cool experience. Uh, number two, it does something for you. You feel best when you're, when you're blessing other people and you're serving. And uh, if you're stagnant in your faith or you want to ignite your faith in your family, man, these are awesome trips. And you might say, well, I, I can't do manual labor. Well, there's plenty of other things you can do. So I want to encourage you, if you're interested in that, uh, I want to encourage you to come talk to me after the service. We have a meeting at 12 o'clock today uh, here in the chapel. I'd love for you to get connected and uh, explore being a part of that. So there's also a Go event uh, that's about uh, the importance of going and sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ coming up. In fact, on your program, if you look at the bottom of your program, just real quick, grab that sucker and look at the bottom and it says connect card. Down on the back, flip it over. You see the Go event. You could fill that out and say, hey, I want to go somewhere. I want to go into a ministry or I want to go into a mission. I want to make a difference. Then sign up uh, for that event. I, I teach that event. It's about sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ. Um, I'll be there uh, this March 1st. My wife uh, will not be able to be at that one. She's at the gather event, but I I'll be there. Pastor Joshua is there and does such a great job organizing that, so we're excited about that. Well, okay, um, it's time for, for me to share just a little corny joke again I found recently. A Sunday school teacher began... Uh, her lesson with a question. She said, boys and girls, uh, what do we know about God? And a hand shot up in the air, and a little boy who's in kindergarten said, he's an artist. Teacher said, okay, how'd you know that, little Tommy? And he said, well, you know, our father who art in heaven. <laughs> Familiar prayer. Uh, we're going to do that together. So if you would stand up, we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer. My grandmother was a Catholic, and uh, if it wasn't for my grandmother's Catholic faith, I don't think any other Rice family would be Christian. She probably didn't like the fact we became Protestants, but she, she likes that we love Jesus. And so uh, she taught the Lord's Prayer a lot, and so uh, it's meaningful. We're going to learn about prayer today. Um, the Apostle Paul is going to bring a, a prayer that's in, enable, a prayer of enablement. But this prayer is a very personal prayer, a very important prayer. And Jesus said that we are to pray like this. So it's not necessarily that you got to pray exactly this, but pray like this. So we're going to do this together. So let's do it. Our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would apply your word today, that we would learn what it means, Lord, uh, to live out the, the gospel, the good news, that we would make a difference in any sphere of influence that we have right now from the from the boardroom to the classroom to the living room, might we go into these rooms with a mindset that you care tremendously about your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that we would live out the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which is called a mystery in a greater way in the coming years ahead. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul talks about a mystery, and uh, he, he referenced it in chapter 2, verses 11, as he wrote to the church in Ephesus, and kind of called and kind of said like this gospel is just mysterious. How many of you would say uh, your faith at some level, there's a mysterious element to it? I mean, you're praying to somebody who is not there. You, you, he's there, but you can't see him. Uh, God works in what? Mysterious ways. And so raise your hand if you know what I'm saying. I mean, your faith at some level is mysterious. Um, this word mystery that's going to be used by the Apostle Paul, what it means is a little bit different. It means that God's inclusion of all people for his purposes. What that means is, let's go back through that definition again. If you're an outline uh, maker, note taker, here it is. Mystery is God's inclusion of all people for his purposes. So the Apostle Paul is going to uh, before we get to the prayer of enablement in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to see about uh, the gospel and why the magnitude of it, what this mystery is. So the Apostle Paul starts off in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. The Apostle Paul is referencing how he had already, in chapter 2, uh, given a clarification about this mystery that, that God's intent is that uh, to show and to share the love of God is for all people. It's for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. And the Apostle Paul was specifically assigned the responsibility of proclaiming the gospel, this mystery, to, to them. It's interesting, he sees himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Notice that phrase. What that means is, is that the Apostle Paul, again, has this incredible sovereign view, perspective, that God holds all things together, that he, he's not there by accident, and that he's there on behalf of them. Uh, the church in Ephesus is a diverse group of Christians, both Jews and Gentiles. And so if you remember in your Bible, in the Old Testament, God made a covenant with Abraham uh, that they would be a blessing. The Jewish people, the nation of Israel, would be a blessing for all other nations. Well, the responsibility to share and to show the love of God 
was uh, the role of Israel as a nation. They failed at doing that to all giving, showing the love of God to all nations. And so now in God's eternal plan and purposes is going to invite all the Gentiles, everybody else to have equal say, equal right in having that divine responsibility. It's not that God played favorites. God didn't do that. However, God in his plan and purpose chose to use one nation to bring all nations into understanding. That didn't work. And God is now revealing this mystery for all people. Um, And he's using the apostle Paul. Let's read uh, more clearly. Verse four, he says, when you read this, You can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed. So there's a clarity being added here. The apostle Paul saying, God's shown me a special revelation. It's not that it was never there. It's just that it's amplified, clarified. It's like a magnifying glass on the purpose of God and getting this gospel, this good news out. So he says... um, as it has been revealed to his holy apostles, he being one of them, and the prophets by the Spirit. Um, verse 6, this mystery, and there's clarifying of what, where I got my definition, verse 6, the, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It means everybody, all people, uh, are included for God's purposes and God's plan. So the church in Ephesus is probably fired up. The Christian thing, the mission movements, the ministries, not just for Jews, it's for everybody. And then verse seven, he says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which is given me by the working of his power. God powerfully showed up in the apostle Paul's life on the road to Damascus, overwhelmed him with grace, and made him a minister and told him that he's going to go and and be a a minister among those outside of the nation of Israel as well as the the nation of Israel. Verse 8, to me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden in for ages in God who created all things. Verse 10, so that, let's say this little phrase together, through the church. Let's say that again, through the church. Notice that he's going to say through the church right here. Later, he's going to say in the church. And that's where I got the, the message title today, Making a Difference through the church. The manifold wisdom of God might, be, might uh, now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Let's put on the brakes real quick. In the heavenly places, not the earthly places. What does that mean? That what the Apostle Paul is referring to is the reality is that angels watch what's going on. Uh, I, in my heaven series that I taught earlier uh, in the fall, I talked about how angels in heaven look intently at the activities of believers in their life and see what they're doing. Everything you do in Christian activity is kind of like the angels get excited about. As soon as you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, at whatever point that was, the Bible says that entire uh, uh, choirs of angels rejoiced and started singing. So like 
I don't know. I mean, you see the TV shows and somebody wins something and then the crowd erupts. I mean, not too long ago, my wife was on like the price is right kind of thing. And it was crazy and it was fun and it was amped up. When believers do stuff, angels in heaven are watching. And so that gives credence for this idea for you and me to think that the things that we do on earth actually have some level of influence in heaven. So he says here, again, let's read it, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. The angels are watching. Verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. The Apostle Paul was uh, imprisoned for his faith. Uh, he uh, obviously, uh, the, some of the Christians in Ephesus might have been a little ashamed or embarrassed that their great beloved uh, founder and church planter is on a missionary trip and gets imprisoned. Imagine if I go over to Nepal and uh, preach the gospel and then all of a sudden you see me back on uh, uh, Fox News and CNN and Pastor Ryan arrested in Nepal. You know, you might be embarrassed and some of you might be like proud, like, yeah, go get them, Ryan. <laughs> uh, probably a bunch of you would be embarrassed. Um, and Paul's saying, don't, don't be embarrassed. Don't, don't lose heart over this. This is all, all for your glory, actually. Like, uh, this, is, this is a good thing. Like, I'm doing it. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, not, not a man. Um, so what does this mean, this mystery, this gospel for us as a church? Number one, it means that we must get the good news of Jesus Christ out. You and I have a responsibility. It's called the Great Commission. It's the Great Commandments. It's to, it's to do two things. It's to share the love of Jesus Christ, and it's to show the love of Christ. It's to share the love of Jesus Christ, open our mouths and say something. It's to show the love of Jesus Christ. And so for you and me, we've got to realize that this good news is something that we, we need to do. Ephesians 2, 8, and 10 tells us that we were created for good works back in Ephesians. So you and I are made for good work. We're created to share the love of Christ. It's to open our mouth and to show the love of Jesus Christ. We need to say something and we need to do something. Um, recently I read a book called Something Needs to Change by David Platt. And um, this is a book, A Call to Make Your Life Count in a World of Urgent Need. Um, Scott, uh, the president and, uh, and leader of the organization I-68, the Mexico mission trip, handed it to me uh, last year. And I read a lot in preparation for all of my message series. So I hadn't got a chance to read it, but I finally read it and I fell in love with it. Um, years ago, I found out about the importance of, of uh, reaching un, un, unreached people groups and realizing there's a magnitude of people in, in all around the world. One area in particular is that of Nepal. Um, there's a responsibility to do that. There's In Nepal, I'll tell you about it um, right now, just in relation to this good news. Uh, years ago, we helped plant churches in unreached people groups. When we were in the movie theaters, I was helping raise money to plant churches in the Himalayan mountains. That's where Mount Everest is. If you've ever uh, heard about Mount Everest, one of the big, big mountains up there, 29,000-something feet. 
Well, all around that mountain range is the Himalaya Mountains. There is, uh, in that area, Nepal, uh, in between uh, India and China is Nepal. There's 28 million plus people there. They speak the language Nepali. There's 275 people groups. It's individual people groups with their own language and all that stuff. And there's 96% of those folks uh, do not know Jesus. Um, right now, there's a women's trip that actually is, is going in July with a network that I'm familiar with in July of 2020. And Nepal is a home to a, a lot of uh, unfortunate uh, crisis, evil, and uh, corruption. And uh, the big city is Kathmandu. And there's an urgent need to, to do something. Um, should we go to Mexico? Yes. Should we go to Nepal? Yes. Should we go out to share and show the love of Christ locally? Yes. When Jesus revealed this vision that we were to be a witness in all of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he said, and, and, and. Sometimes we got to do it all at once. A lot of churches try to do this incremental thing. Well, we need to make a difference here in the North Valley. Then we can move out. Then we can get bigger. And then, No, it's and, and, and. So the reality is, is maybe God is prompting your heart to get involved with an unreached people group. Let me clarify the difference between unreached and unchurched just for a minute. Unreached means they've never heard of Jesus. No radio, no program, no literature, no person, Nobody preaching, nobody hears about Jesus. These people, by and large, 95% of them, uh, unreached, never heard of Jesus. Um, right now, there's a, this trip that I'm, I'm urging, maybe uh, if God's prompting one of you ladies to go on this trip with a group of wonderful leaders, uh, July 20th, it's to go and to help uh, encourage women in leadership in Nepal that are helping free uh, young girls that are being abducted and tricked into sex trafficking. And it happens like this. The, the girls, there's immense poverty in the mountains in the Himalayas outside of Kathmandu. And the girls um, are being uh, solicited by businessmen to come work in the big city. And they can earn a bunch of money and send their money back up to the family well, they don't know about the job. The job is actually sex trafficking. They get down to the big city, they drug them, and they imprison them, and they put them to work. And these girls are 12 to 14 years old, and they are stuck for life. And the police are corrupt, the government's corrupt, and there's this, this terrible chain of brokenness and pain. And um, all of this happens, and, and these people do not know Jesus, but... There's been church movement and investment in planting churches in the Himalaya mountains, and the Christian faith is growing. But Nepal is different. You can, there's actually uh, anti-conversion laws that threaten, it, threaten for uh, fines and imprisonment for your faith. So this is not an easy deal. This is a trip that I'm praying about going on uh, in 2021 when they have a men's trip that's available but for you ladies that might be interested in going and encouraging other uh, women in leadership in those churches, I would encourage you to do that. And if you're interested in that, I'll give you this book, Something Needs to Change by David Platt. 
We are responsible to share the love of Christ. We're responsible to show the love of Christ as a church. It's the gospel. It's the good news that we can find freedom. We can find hope and find healing. Um, Recently, we were in a magazine uh, called Fireside Connects. I'll show you a picture of some of the firefighters um, here here in the community. Um, There's Captain Jim right there. We invited him over. We we celebrated a party, uh, kind of his retirement party with him. This is Station 55, just right up the road. Um, We were in this magazine talking about the difference that we're making in the lives of of their team. Here's another picture here at the fire station. And there's uh, the staff team and and my beloved little dog uh, right there. Her name is Miss Arizona. We call her Zona for short. And uh, it was funny. We were sitting down in the living room and my, my dad was in town and he's thumbing through a magazine. And then he goes, hey, there's a picture of your dog in this magazine. And then, I, and then uh, he goes, whoa, and there you are. I said, notice you notice the dog first, dad. Uh, you know, and so I just want to say, you know, we are a church that cares about the community. But let me talk about you and your friends for a minute and tell you about how we want to help. Um, this is our staff team. They're wonderful. They're the best. And, uh, but let's talk about you as a congregation for a second. We've got a, this thing called the CARES team. And basically, it's a, just a team. It's this white little trailer out here. We're going to load it up with all sorts of supplies. And if you have a coworker, a family member, a friend that's in need, and they can't help themselves, then you just let one of our staff know, and we'll send our CARES team over there to fix anything they've got. You guys contribute to this thing called the Hope Offering. Last year, just so you know, you gave $26,000. We invested $26,000 towards just showing mercy. Um, let, yeah, celebrate that. Um, so, so that's cool. That's really cool. Last year as well, we gave $60,000 plus. That's more than 10% of our entire budget to start and strengthen churches to do local and global outreach. This is an outreach-minded church. If you have friends that are in need, you say things like this. Hey, I'm a part of North Valley. We want to help. Now, I'm talking about folks that really need help. I'm not talking about folks that can hire their own uh, yard, yard boy, uh, get their own mechanic there. I'm talking about people in need. You just tell them, our church wants to help. You let a staff member know, boom, and we'll show up. If you want to help on that CARES team, jump on that CARES team. Steve Sutton is the guy who leads that up, and we want to make sure we do that. As a church, we must share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the gospel. It's the good news. It's for all people. So number two, what does this mean for our church? That we must pursue unity and diversity. Unity and diversity is a complicated uh, effort. The more diverse you are, the harder it is to find unity. Yet the church is that place. It's the sacred space where no matter your political affiliation, your uh, ethnic identity, your economic status, uh, your, your background, your education, it ought to be the place where we talk about Jesus, learn about Jesus, look at God's word, and seek to let our lives be reformed by him. What is the theological categories for this unity and diversity? First is the Pauline mystery labeled by scholars and theologians. It's exactly what Paul was talking about. He mentioned it in chapter 2, verses uh, 11 through 22. He mentions it here uh, numerous times in chapter 3, 1 through 13. It's the mystery. It's the inclusion for all people. 
You and me, we've got to realize the church is this funky little space where there's diversity, yet there's unity. So when you go anywhere in the world, you can be in Pakistan or you can be in Peru, and you can experience some level of unity because of Jesus Christ. And so there's this Pauline mystery, but also remember the prayer of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed three different times that they might be one. That a, a group of believers from all around the world, there might be this unity in this, what's called the prayer of Christ. If you're a note taker, outline maker, that second little check is the prayer of Christ. And the third is the pattern at Antioch. Did you know at Antioch, uh, that was a church that the Apostle Paul was deeply involved in. It's the very first church that actually the name Christian came to being. The very first Christians were a part of the church called Antioch. Antioch, encouraging enough, was a church that sought unity and diversity. Why? They're proclaiming the gospel for all people. Uh, There's folks from Africa and different parts of the the culture in this this mixed ethnic, multi-ethnic leadership team and this uh, multi-ethnic movement of the gospel for all people in all places in all times. This pattern in Antioch can be found in Acts chapter 11, chapter 15, and it was such a a confusion point, this gospel for all people, that Peter, the apostle Peter was confused about it. God shows up and gives him revelation and clarification. Hey, Peter, gospel's for all people. And and Paul and him have some conflict in it. If you're going to pursue unity and diversity as part of our church, you're going to realize there's going to be friction and tension at times. Here's what I always like to tell people to do. When, if we're a church that's reaching people that are different than us, which we should, uh, the North Valley is filled with uh, 87% of the valley is without a church home. That means there's a lot of people that don't share the same faith and values that we do. Uh, but if we're going to reach those folks, here's the challenge. They come, they hear a message, and they say, that's great, and now I've got some, I've got some uh, values or things that I believe are contrary than I perceive the church to be. My lifestyle is not in reflection to what the Christian teaching is. So what do you think about me? That's what I hear. And I say, listen, I think I, think I like you. I think you're a great person in so many different ways. I mean, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and God's grace is good. However... I kind of have chosen to live my life under the authority of Scripture, so let's look what the Scripture has to say. And then there's usually a silence like, what's it going to (laughs) say? And so we look at the Scripture, and then I turn around and I tell them, hey, you know, if I could change the Bible, I would, but but I I don't want to do that because I believe God's omniscient. I'm not. I am very limited in my knowledge. I'm just a little peon compared to God, you know? So I'm going to trust what God's Word has to say and live the way he wants to live. So the Bible becomes the referee. The Bible becomes the judge, not me. I become the friend. If we're going to be a church that's going to reach people that are different from us, then what we have to realize is quit trying to be the judge. Let Jesus be the judge. Is Jesus be the judge? But then what do you say about for you and me? Well, we do what I've said over and over again. As Christians, we be radically inclusive in our relationships. I love you. I care for you don't agree with your lifestyle, so I'm going to be exclusive in my doctrine, my theology, and my beliefs. Inclusive 
in relationships, all people, exclusive in what I believe. What do I believe? I believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God, inerrant, uh, sufficient for all things. This is it. It becomes a referee, not me. Amen? So that's the challenge we're going to face as the church in the, in the future. So what does this mean for the church? It means you've got to get the good news out. Why? You were created to bring good news. You, you were created for that. The world needs you. And it doesn't need you uh, just in the little program that we have, but we definitely do need you in the programs and the ministries that we have. It needs you in the sphere of influence that God's already placed you to be this, this ambassador on behalf of Jesus Christ. Hey, you've got a need. We want to help. So how do we do this? Secondly, we need this prayer of spiritual enablement. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, the apostle prayed a prayer of enlightenment, to, that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened. Now this is a prayer of enablement. Enabling for what? To get the gospel out, to make a difference through the church. Here it is. Verse 14. He says, for this reason. It sounds very familiar to what we just read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. He said the same thing. Why? Because in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, he said, for this reason, he's about to pray. And then you think I'm long-winded. He's really long-winded. He says, I'm about to pray. Wait a second. Let me preach for a little bit. And he starts moving through, communicating, and then now he picks back up. Verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. He's praying. What's he praying? From whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, than to know the love of Christ. That's what we say all the time. You need to share the love of Christ. You need to show the love of Christ. You got to say something. You got to do something. To know the love of Christ, it surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. In verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. That's where I got that phrase. I always say, to Christ be the glory in North Valley and beyond. It's, it's it the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church. It ought to be our prayer for enabling power to make a difference. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What does this prayer of spiritual enablement mean? Number one, it means that you and I need to ask God to strengthen us. You need to ask God to strengthen you from the inside out. You need help to get through what you're going through. You need help to make a difference. You need help from God to do something great. The Apostle Paul said that it was uh, praying for, through, for your inner being. I don't know what's going on inside of your heart. I don't know what's going on inside your life. And truly, most people don't know what's going on. The interior part of your being in the biblical terms is called the soul. And you and me are responsible for soul work. No one else is responsible for soul work. You have to do what's called soul care. 
to make sure that you're okay, spiritually healthy, emotionally good, in order to make a difference. And the Apostle Paul says, in our inner being, we ought to be praying for strength from the inside out. Why? Because when the fullness of God begins to use an individual, it's powerful. And it wants to do a lot of great good. And you and I are going to need strength from God and extraordinary strength to do what he's called us to do. Some of you are in a tough work situation. God wants to give you strength. Some of you are in a marriage that you just want to bail out of. God wants to give you strength. Some of you have had things done to you and you don't know if you can make it. God wants to give you strength. Some of you have done things that you're very ashamed of and embarrassed about. God wants to give you strength. What you have to pray for is ask God to give you strength from the inside out. That's how he works. See, what oftentimes we do is we think that we need to change our behavior. Wrong. What we need to do is we need to change our beliefs. Our beliefs always determine what, how we behave. When people are always trying to attack somebody's behavior, you shouldn't act like that. That's not Christian. Blah, blah, blah. The real problem is not their behavior. The real problem is their belief. What the person believes is the most important thing. So here's another indication to help you understand the inner work and how you need to deal with this thing. Number two, I want to encourage you to pray for the root, not the fruit. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, my prayer is, is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So if we ask God and we say, God, I want you to give me love, that's a fruit of the Spirit. That's a fruit. The Apostle Paul said that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We pray for fruit, not the root. Well, what did he say earlier? He said, my prayer is, is that you be rooted and grounded in love. I think culturally, contextually speaking, that's actually a very prophetic word given to the Apostle Paul because Ephesus is charged in Revelation for losing and denying their first what? Love. You and me have got to realize God's after the roots, not the fruits. If the roots can be taken care of, what we soak our lives into, what we fill ourselves up with, then the fruit's going to bear good fruit. I mean, the tree's going to bear good fruit. Psalms 1-3 is a telling verse as well. It says that, and he will be like streams, plant, or he will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. Where are you planted is where you're going to grow. Where are your roots? Are your roots in God's word? Are you rooted in prayer? Are you rooted in Christian service and ministry? Are you rooted in relationships that are godly and good and filling you up in life? In order that you can know who you are in Christ, make a difference in Christ, that you can make a difference in your family and in your workplace. God wants us to ask for spiritual enablement. Number three, I want to challenge you to pray for the church and the partnership. And you say, what, what kind of partnership? Well, this idea, if you look back at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, it says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. How do we bring glory to God? We mobilize the whole church to see themselves as partners in ministry. I think the challenge is in today's society in American culture is that we don't view ourselves as partners, but we see ourselves as customers. Um, North Valley is a business. 
uh, North Valley, the pastor Ryan's just like a CEO and he's in charge of dispensing spiritual goods and services. I know that most of you would not think like that or say that. However, this is church culture. It's called the customer mentality. The church becomes this place where the customers come and they want a customized worship, dynamic teaching experience, a worship experience, great programs for kids, counseling, all this advice and marriage and parenting and friends and the whole package at North Valley. And I'll tell you, you'll be disappointed if you stay in the customer mentality. Um, Perhaps this is why 20% of every church in North America has an attrition rate of 20%. That means churches are, are losing 20% of their members and attenders every single year. Churches like our church actually grow by 25 to 30% every year. Maybe you don't feel it as much because 20% of that growth is replacing the 20% that left. Why is that? It's because it's the customer mentality. There's far greater preachers and teachers all around the valley. There's far greater uh, worship leaders. Maybe not. You're awesome. <laughs> There's far greater folks in programs for kids. Why are we here? We should be here because it's a partnership. Because Jesus is doing something. And we want to be a part of something together. And if the worship experience becomes a place where you attend and you evaluate but fail to experience, then we're customers. I don't want to be a customer. I don't want to be that. I don't want our church to be that. Customers don't see themselves as giving as much as they see in some sense. If they're giving, it's giving with strings attached. It's like buying. I buy spiritual goods and services. I know that would never be said, but that is the reality in so many ways. So what do we need? We need a partnership. The partnership is very different. A partnership is where the individuals are invested, and when the going gets tough, what happens? The tough get going. That they see themselves, and yes, they need the, the help of the support of counseling and friends and, and programs for their kids, but it's a partnership to say, you know what, we can make a difference together. How can I help? It's investing and not simply just uh, 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 simply seeing themselves as uh, giving or perhaps uh, uh, buying spiritual goods and service, but investing their resources. And, and so in, in this kind of partnership is the very model, I think, that the glory of God is most brightly shown. So let me just share with you just for a few minutes how we're doing uh, with partnership and what that looks like in the area, at least in giving. In a monthly review of 2000, uh, January 2019, uh, a year ago from last month, uh, giving was $33,952 and our budget was 48941 This means that we started off in 2019, again, a year ago from last uh, month, with a deficit of $14,000. That was the worst month in my uh, uh, leadership for financial responsibility. I was like, I was a little discouraged. And I I didn't come at you guys uh, tough, uh, too tough. I, I, I started to think about it and pray about it with our elder team, and it was concerning. That's not a fun way to start if you're leading an organization, right? Like if that happened in your household, you'd be dead. You'd be in trouble. 
Um, in January 2020, though, look, look at this growth. In January 2020, last month, giving was 40507 bucks, and our budget was forty-two. So we didn't quite make budget. That means that we started with $2,281 behind budget. Not great, but a lot better. So what's the good news? The good news is in January, from year to year, we increased by 19.35%. So good job. So that, what does that mean? That means that the church is growing in size. That means that the church is growing in generosity. That's a good thing. Now let's talk about annual household. So year to year. So let's compare our years. In 2018, this was a staggering statistic that kind of rocked our world. In January 2018, 70% of you that call North Valley home gave financially. This is the staggering point is that 30% gave nothing. That means 30% of every, that means one third of everybody that called North Valley home, they didn't give a penny. So uh, McDonald's got more, uh, Starbucks got more, uh, Disneyland got a lot more, and my response is, is Mickey ain't going to be there when a crisis hits. <laughs> we will. And uh, so if this is your place of worship, man, be a partner. The partnership's open. Let's partner together. Partnership, what will it cost you? Nothing, and then everything. It costs you nothing in the sense that God want, it's all God's anyways, so it's all His, and some of you, it's not that hard to partner with us, but it costs you everything in other regards. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then you're going to have to learn how to die. It's a call to discipleship. Partnership's a big deal, and, but here's the good news. In 2019, looking back at 2019, 80%, 86%, that means 16% growth. Uh, uh, 86% of you that call North Valley home gave, while we made 16% increase in that number of families that gave something, this still means that 14% gave nothing. We made huge advancements. So great job in that. Let's celebrate that just for a moment. So what does that mean? Here's what I want to challenge you to do is partner together. Why? We need to make a difference through our church. God forbid I got hit on the way home at I-17 and, and didn't make it. My prayer would be is that the church would be like, you know what? We're partners in ministry. A church that has only customers is like this. Senior pastor gets taken out. 75% of the people are gone the next day. That's a customer church. Partnership churches says no. We can't explain the tragedy of what happened, but this is our church. And our church is responsible to share and to show the love of Jesus Christ. We will move on. When the tough gets going, the tough gets going. So I messed all that up. But. <laughs> Such a serious moment. So what do you do? You participate and you contribute to make a difference. Some of you are in the nothing category. You're part of that, that 14%. My encouragement, see, I don't, go, I don't freak out on the nothings. I just say, then why are you here? Okay, like if, if obviously if, if the, the message, the music's not that great, the ministry you don't see a part of, okay, I get it for a little while. But find something worth investing into. What's the mark of maturity and blessing and strength is to be able to take care of your own needs as a family and then to go help others. It, 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 there's a joy in giving. There's great reward in giving. So my challenge is to move from nothing to something. So, and many of you are in the something category. In fact, 16% uh, 
more increase of something happened this last year, which is awesome. I'm proud of that. I like the steps. It's important. And then there's the significantly. If you're in the something category, I want to challenge you to move to significant. Significant giving is what we call tithing. It's trusting God uh, with the tithe. Here's my challenge to you. Do your, your family a favor before God and do yourself a favor and do your church a favor. Just evaluate what percentage do I give in a given year? And then just ask yourself this question. Am I proud of that? Or what can I do next to make a difference? Uh, we teach the tithe and the importance of the tithe. In fact, there's a tithe challenge on our website if you'd like to get involved in that. Um, my family and I have practiced the tithe. Every family I know that practices the tithe always says to me, God provides in crazy, mysterious ways. It's so cool. It's such a blessing. And then there's sacrificial giving. Where tithing is easy, you can live on, on uh, more or you can live on less. I'm, I'm just all over the place today. <laughs> Uh, you're okay to give 10% and you can give 20%. That's sacrificial giving. It's where you can give or you think about the poor little widow who just gave all that she had. That's sacrificial giving. It's, it's giving when it hurts a little bit. Um, so here's the verse I used to write to all of our supporters. The first five years of starting this church, my wife and I didn't take a salary. And um, we would thank all our supporters uh, for giving financially. So all the tithes and offerings that came in the first five years of this church went straight back into the ministry. And this is the verse I would write my friends and family all over the country. Philippians 1, 3 through 5, I would say this and echo the words of the Apostle Paul. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your what? Partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I pray that you would see yourself as a partner. That's how we're going to make a difference. For the name and fame of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we would make a difference and see ourselves as partners in this gospel, this good news. It's mysterious, and I pray that we would take it forward, that we'd be strengthened from the inside out, Lord, where there's diversity, might we seek unity. And God, I pray that uh, the coming years would just have a ripple effect as more and more people invest their time, their talent, and their treasure into seeing your glory in this church and in Christ Jesus for generations to come. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity that we can be partners together in ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.